This is shaping up to be, well, it just feels to me like kind of an angry Tuesday. I'm angry about the Cowboys winning last night. <laughs> you and I both had the Chargers. And the Cowboys now, after the 49ers all but broke them. They, right. 49ers did to the Cowboys what Bane did to Batman, mm. right? Left them in that dark pit. And then last night, the Cowboys win. They catch a break with your team and, and the 49ers both losing. And now they're saying, well, we're over that. We got out of that. So... Yeah, we got beyond the 49er loss, and they were right. They were broken, beaten, bloodied on the ground, and they're back. That makes me angry, Kyle. Man, you're on one today, huh? You're on one today, I tell you. Um, Let me just say this. I've been preaching to you since day one, Whitey. What happens in September and October doesn't matter. The NFL is a 17-week schedule, 17 games. And so while Niners fans want to celebrate 4-0, 5-0, and everything like that, when Niners fans want to yell and say the Cowboys are broken, broken. the Cowboys are done, they wake up today on this Tuesday, October 17th, in the Dallas Cowboys. That's right. The look. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I don't like the Cowboys. But they're only a game behind. I know. They're and not only, only that, a game behind. Dak looked good last night. Dak played well. I know his numbers right. don't compare about to, say. to yeah. some other big yeah. games yeah. he's had. But he made some plays last night. He made some plays. And I thought, and I'm not going out on the limb, I thought this was probably one of the biggest games of Dak Prescott's career. The way they played against the Niners, how bad he looked against the Niners, if he would have come out and had a horrible game, a three-interception kind of game, shoot, even a two-interception kind of game, and they lose, you talk about being broken, their season's over, in my opinion. They dropped the three and three. Dak Prescott is playing horribly. Tony Pollard can't get the run game going. Mike McCarthy doesn't Mike know Mike McCarthy doesn't doing. know. You know, this Cowboys season was in danger of spinning out of control, and Dak, like you said, Played well. Sure, the passing yards don't jump out, but I'm looking at the 9.1 yards per attempt average. That's solid right there. He made some Zero interceptions, which is always the key for him. He had a 109.3 passer rating yesterday. And so, yes, Dak Prescott was better than Justin Herbert yesterday. We also have this on the chat from PK Man. Can you rant about Hollinger? He has the Kings 11 seeded this season. He was watching the Kings last season. He doesn't know what he's, he doesn't know what's going on, says PK Man. So, yeah, a lot of Kings fans are still, I think some are angry about that. I think some know better and just know that eh, Hollinger was wrong last year. But still, it's frustrating. It, it is, Whitey. But here's my problem with it I'm not a, a, a Hollinger guy. I said before, Sacramento Kings fans, anytime you see his, his name at the top of an article, you know it's going to be garbage. You know it's not going to favor our team. I hate giving this guy publicity here on our show, Sacktown Sports 1140. The more we say his name, the more people are like, who's this John Hollinger guy? They're going to run to look him up and look at that uh, article he wrote. The fact that you had, not only did he have the Kings number 11, he had him with 39 wins. Think about that. Like 39 wins. So nine wins fewer than a season ago. So in his eyes, last season was a fluke. 39 wins? I mean, Mm -hmm. if the Kings had 39 wins this season, something went terribly wrong. There's no way that's going to happen, Sacramento fans. And so Hollinger, his name is Mud in my book, you know? (laughs) 
He's he, a, he's supposed to be a well-respected basketball he guy. He literally used to work for the Grizzlies, yeah. right? I don't know. He was he in their front a, office. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. He started out as a writer, then moved into the Grizzlies front office. Obviously, that didn't work out. And so now he's back to writing. And, you know, it, it's clickbait, uh, trash kind of material because, and, and I said, these articles will always, always show their true colors. The fact that he had Dallas, Dallas ahead of Sacramento shows, you know what? This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know our team. He had Dallas ahead of the Kings last year. Yes. And he had, as we just we, we just went down his picks from last year, predictions, I should say. He had the Kings 10th last year. Uh, so there's one thing, though, that he wrote that I, and you may come across the console at me here, one thing he wrote that I agree with. I do think the West is going to be just hyper competitive this year, and it's just going to be a swampy slug, slug, what is the word I'm looking for? A swampy swampy slug fest. It's going to be a swampy slug fest all season long. I really feel like that's going to be the case. No, I I agree with you. I, I don't think there would be a whole lot of separation between, let's say, the one seed and the six seed, let's say. You know, maybe five or six games, something like that. Um, I agree with you. Night in and night out, you're going to have to play your game. You're going to have to – you can't, you know, just show up and expect to win. And I think for the Sacramento Kings, coming out early and setting the tone, I think their first weekend, those first three games are extremely huge for them because you open up on the road against Utah. Always a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, it took a buzzer beater. Uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox a layup and then marking and misses a buzzer beater for the Kings to win last year there. Then you got the Warriors and Lakers. If you can open up 3-0 and against those three teams, to me, that gives you some momentum. And so forget about the preseason. I know they have two more games. To me, I'm looking not only at the first three, those first 10 games, I would like to see our Sacramento Kings 7-3 and Eight and two, something like that. That would send a message to Hollinger in the league. I noticed this today, and I know you study the schedule because it determines where you're going to yes, be and when you're yes. going to be there. But of the Kings' first 18 games this year, 17 of them are in conference. 17 of the first Think 18. Think about that. In the West. In the West. You better get off to a good right. start. You have to get off to a good start. You can uh, make some uh, ground, you know, put some distance between you and everybody else. And, and I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. We talked about the, the opening weekend, but then you got a couple games against Houston. Houston. I, I feel like you can. Portland's uh, in there. Yeah, Portland's in there. So let's say you, those first three games, you get off to a three and zero. Why couldn't you go six and zero right off the jump at Houston, at Houston, and then home against Portland? Then you got OKC. The lone Eastern Conference team is Cleveland, and that'll be a tough game, no doubt. But I think the schedule is built for the Sacramento Kings to get off to a hot start. And I feel like when I looked at the first eight weeks of the season, seven weeks, uh, it it was home heavy. Sure, they got a couple of road trips. They got to Houston when they got the Thanksgiving road trip. But there's a chance for them to make up some ground to put some distance between them and the uh, opponents early in this schedule, I think. Kyle, I'm just worried about the Kings' defense because it's quite apparent that Mike Brown is really worried about the Kings' defense. What's worried about the Kings' defense? He's already making a change in the starting lineup. (laughs) And I I understand that. But still, yeah, that's uh, a little surprising, is it not? Knowing Mike Brown, it isn't surprising because I think what we're seeing is I think last year – 
He understood the makeup of his team. He tried to get it to be a better defensive team, starting KZ Akpala earlier in the season, starting Kessler Edwards uh, after the trade deadline. I think what he realized is, you know what? Our team is what it is. And so here's my starting five. Here's my rotation. We may not be great defensively, but we're very, very elite offensively, and we're going to win games. But then you saw in the playoffs, and this is where Mike Brown is so frustrated. Because he believes, I'm sure he does, that this team can be a better defensive team. They've shown it in flashes. Mm -hmm. And so I think this year, he doesn't want a repeat of last year. And so he's trying to nip it in the bud right now. But I would imagine if it keeps going like this, at some point, either A, you got to go out there and make a move to address your defensive uh, liabilities, or B, you just have to accept who you are and try to do the best you can. You know, that's also one of the most interesting things that Hollinger wrote about. And I know we don't want to put much, if any, stock in anything he wrote about. But he did point out that the Kings would have the wherewithal this year if things aren't going well and the deadline approaches. They could actually go out and get somebody, and it's way too early to start talking about that. <laughs> but it's interesting to look at um, – what they, what kind of options they could have going forward? Right. Yes. Exactly. They they do have um, flexibility in yes. terms of you know rosters. I think attractive guys that if if Monty did want to move on from some draft people, picks, they couple could of package. draft picks yeah. as yeah. well. And so that's the thing about the Kings. They got all their draft picks. Uh, you know, a lot of teams mortgage their trip picks and send them out. The Kings have all of their draft picks uh, going forward. And so I would not be surprised if at the trade deadline. Auntie McNair sees a glaring deficiency in this team that they don't address it because I feel like last year was a great story, 48 wins, but this year is the year, you know what? You got to accomplish we, We're something. going for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, first round isn't enough. We need a deep playoff run. And so people got on Monty last year for not making any major moves at the trade deadline. I don't think that'll be the same this year. I think if he sees something, he's going to go for it. Well, in all fairness, a lot of people, and I was one of them, felt like, wow, if they don't do something here, they're going to slide back in the West to like six. Then they ended up third anyway. So he knew what he was doing based on what they needed and what was actually available. That's the other thing. We don't know who's going to be available then. But it is something to keep in mind going forward. The Kings have the ability to do that if they feel the need come uh, trade deadline day. And that's actually something, as I say, that Hollinger points out. And they could be at a kind of a philosophical crossroads there. Are we stay with this young core or are we going to like push the chips in the middle and go for it? But anyway, it's a little premature for that. Yeah, premature. But, you know, if you're Monty McNair, you have to have that in the back of your mind, sure, right? you sure. got to prepare for that scenario just in case. And PK Man on the YouTube chat brings up OG Ananobi. You know, I think obviously the asking price is high, but if the Raptors are out of it midseason, OG has a player option for next year. If you're the Kings, do you kick the tires on that? Give up a couple of first-round picks or something like that? Obviously, you would hope that you re-sign OG after the season, but he could be a guy. You talk about a two-way player. Sure. You know, he's an excellent two-way player. And so I think the Kings, you know, like I said, last year was a great story, but I think inside those offices out there, they want this year to see a marked improvement, mm-hmm. you know, and it's from the coach, Mike Brown, obviously defensively, but I also think Monty McNair would be a buyer at this trade deadline. That's what makes this such a fascinating time to be a, a Northern California sports fan. Um, the bar's a little different, 
but the Kings this year are trying to accomplish something, and the 49ers are also all in on this right. year, and they're trying to accomplish the ultimate goal finally. So we've got a lot of compelling things going on. Yeah, a lot of, of and, and if the, if you're the Niners, and we've talked about, you know, the arms race with the Eagles, and, you know, that's the team. Did you see the Eagles sign Julio Jones? Uh, I to a one, I, and I know it's the shell of Julio Jones. It's not the same. I yeah. do like that. That's more. You know, what are you talking? A third or fourth Can receiver play for you? <laughs> That's what you're. We, we do need. We did. We do need some help. But we were banged up uh, out I there know. in the secondary. Know. You know, we were banged up the other day, but. That's the kind of move that I wouldn't mind the Niners to make, you know, bringing a veteran receiver like that. I mentioned it yesterday. Could they be in a market for another receiver, especially, you know, with Debo banged up a little bit? Like, I don't trust the Niners receiver depth. And so I think the Eagles, you can argue the Eagles have a better receiving core than the Niners with Devontae Smith. You got um, A.J. Brown. And now you bring in Julio. I mean, my gosh. And so – uh, I, I think the Eagles looked at their depth at that position uh, and said, you know what, we're going to bring in uh, Julio Jones. I wouldn't uh, be opposed to the Niners doing something like that as well. Well, you know, Shanahan's very familiar with him. I'm yes, sure they yes. at least took a look at it because uh, Julio Jones, he was very productive for Kyle Shanahan. I have to say I'm a little concerned here about the fact that we haven't heard anything yet on Christian McCaffrey. And maybe mm. that's fine. But, you know, they did the MRI, what, yesterday? Yes. Oh, we're still waiting for the results. Well, you know, it's not like you or I, or me anyway, when you go to the doctor and you don't know when you're going to hear back, right? Because they, like they have- They the, got immediate yeah, results, got, right? Everything's like right everything. there. <laughs> so they're saying, oh, we're still waiting the results. Hopefully everything's fine, but it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, but didn't Matt Mayoka say it was a, a pain tolerance uh, kind of thing? I thought he uh, tweeted out earlier today when it comes to uh, CMC. And so, uh, it, you know, he's the, the whole thing, like- He's the key to it all. Yeah. He's the engine that drives this car. You know, we could talk about Brock Purdy and Debo and how much talent. Without CMC, this Niners offense looks good, obviously, but maybe not as great as, you know, some of these other teams at upper echelon teams. And so if I'm the Niners, I'm playing it uh, cautious, safe with CMC, though. Yeah. I'm making sure he's good to go. Like, there's no rush. You you mentioned it yesterday, too, you know, that there's some talk that maybe they rest some guys uh, on that Vikings turf. Like, that's the last thing you would want to see is somebody, you know, who's already banged up a little bit go out there. And so I would play a cautious if I'm uh, Shanahan. By the way, I need you to tell me again about how teams are not targeting him because there was uh, – <laughs> they asked McCaffrey <laughs> – when did you get hurt? And he wasn't sure. There were two plays, though. There was one where he got shoved into the bench, uh, and that was a personal foul because he was already out of bounds, shoved into the bench. There was another where a Browns defender grabbed him, not accidentally by the face mask. That was the only part of him he had was the face mask and pulled him down by that. So those were two of the plays that McCaffrey thought, yeah, I could have been injured on one of those plays. Coincidence? I, 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 coincidence. I don't want to hear that. I, I you know what? I'm a dig in the fifth. I'm going to get the numbers. I'm going to get the numbers because I'm sure Christian McCaffrey's not the only player in the NFL that has had a face mask uh, been uh, against him. It's I'm like sure he's not week. the only guy it's that hasn't been week, hit Kyle. out of bounds. Come on, man. <laughs> so they got a big bullseye, a big target with Christian McCaffrey. They're throwing darts at his face every week in, in preparation for they, Sunday's game. They probably Come should. Come on, man. Come That's on. the only way you're going to stop him. Come on. Yeah, but I will say this. If he doesn't play, if he were hurt, if the 49ers in the playoffs without him, no reason to think that'll be the case, 
I don't think you're really a Super Bowl contender. You could get lucky. Bosa, same thing. Without him, yeah. I 100% agree. I maintain. You, everybody wants to talk about Brock Purdy mania. Christian McCaffrey <laughs> was the reason this team changed. Christian McCaffrey added a dimension that this team didn't have. Now you didn't have to have Debo lined up as a running back. Now you could put Debo back to the wide receiver. And look at the numbers with Christian McCaffrey and before Christian McCaffrey. And it's not just Brock Purdy. Jimmy Garoppolo was playing great when Christian McCaffrey was here. Nine touchdowns and one interception in the games that CMC was here. And so he, to me, is their most valuable offensive player. You just know I'm not going to take shots at Jimmy G because he just got out of the hospital. Right. You you, you wouldn't do such. You wouldn't do that, right? You're too nice of a guy. You wouldn't take a shot at a guy. Turnover machine, Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) Take a quick timeout. When we come right back, Mike Brown with some interesting things to say about the Kings rotation. Only two spots in the starting lineup are safe? What? Next, Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports. Hey, Emil Fergoso is going to join us here. We have uh, an update oh. on Christian McCaffrey. It's Drive Guys here, Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason. Uh, Emil will be along after our show for the uh, Return of the Empire. This is uh, breaking news, huh, Emil? Breaking news as of like 20 minutes ago from Schefter. What do you got? Uh, reporting that all three injuries, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Chris McCaffrey, are not considered long-term, meaning they could even play this week Monday Night Football against the Vikings. Okay. So good news. Very Great good news. Very good yes. news. No specifics besides that, but we were waiting for that national report. We had kind of got that sense from Kyle Shanahan yesterday during his conference call that Nothing was a problem in terms of long-term availability. It was more of a pain-tolerant thing for all three of them. Yes, as Kyle Kyle had mentioned that. Okay, well, that's good news, but we still don't know the specifics of rib, oblique, it's whatever. Ob- it's oblique with rib. Brock Purdy had the same injury last year against Seattle and, and played with the injury. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey running back, quarterback, two different things. So we'll have to see how he you know, adjusts during the practice week. But right. just overall, a huge sigh of relief for the Niners and their injury yes. concerns. And you're another one of those guys, Emil, who told me last week that he's not being targeted. Do you think Christian McCaffrey was injured when they shoved him into the bench or when they yanked him down by his face mask? <laughs> They're trying to be physical. They're trying to match the Niners' intensity. <laughs> exactly. Physicality. Thank you, Emil. Look, I, look, McCaffrey's even like, it is what it is. I don't think so. We've talked to Kyle about this. They're just being physical. Maybe the face mask thing, they're trying to, like, ruffle his feathers. But McCaffrey's yeah. an, an immovable object. That guy's a rock. You're not going to face him at all. All right. Thank you, Emil. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So we still have off the presses. I like but, that. Yeah. Uh, the bottom line is uh, could be playing this week. Uh, Trent Williams is a concern, too, because, yeah, he could play. But, you know, Miles Garrett kind of had his way with him a time or two because he's playing on that bad wheel. So he's yeah. playing, but he's, he's playing. not playing. Yeah, and, you know, he came back into the game, you know, got hurt. And when he went down, that could have looked – it looked a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, I'm with you, though. I do question – I know each game is important. I know it's one of 17. But given the turf – given the injuries that you do have. The Niners are playing the long game here. It's not about what you're doing in October. you got to make sure you get to the finish line healthy. And so I wouldn't be surprised. If I was coaching, I might rest a couple of guys this week. Mm-hmm. I, I really might. Might be the prudent move. Of course, they got an extra day uh, to figure that out. By the way, we're brought to you by Capital Casino, conveniently located on 411 North 16th Street, downtown Sacramento. On the chat here, I'll tell you what, you know, Kyle and I go back and forth, but he's my guy. I'm not going to stand for this eagle slander. What's somebody say? Oh, well, let's see. Let me find it here. Actually, it was pretty funny. 
Uh, someone pointed out that uh, Devontae Smith has more drops than catches. I, I don't even know if that's true, but just so you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not reading that on here. All right, Kyle, I'm, I'm in your court. Yeah, it's David Neal. Devontae Smith has more drops this yeah. year than he has catches. Come on, David. That crosses a line. You know what? That was pretty funny. No, that is funny. And, I, I, you know, see, see, here's the thing, Whitey. I don't have green-colored underoos. Okay. I don't have an Eagles onesie. I'm objective when it comes to it. Sure. There's something going on with Devontae Smith in Philadelphia right now. I think he's unhappy with his role. You know, AJ's getting a lot of balls thrown his way, and this has not been a great season for him uh, so far. You know, I'm I'm looking at the numbers. uh, Through six games, 28 catches, 334 yards, and two touchdowns. On paper, that sounds like it would be fine, right? It sounds like it would be good. But when you look at what he did last year, and I'm pulling yeah, those up It's just not right fine now. with it's, him. It's not fine with him, exactly. When you look at, so his first game, uh, it was a rough game last year at Detroit. But then he got going. Think about this. Week three against Washington, he got targeted 12 times. Week five against Arizona, he got targeted 11 times, had 10 receptions. We have not seen... Devontae Smith have a huge game so far this season. And so uh, I'm worried about that dynamic there in Philly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't watch them enough, and I don't watch them closely enough to know if they're defending him differently after the big mm-hmm. year he had. I don't know if that's part of it, but clearly, yeah. There's And we talked about this. There has been some unhappiness up and down that Eagles sideline. Some of that's natural, and you don't seem concerned by it. Yeah, no, no, no I'm not concerned by it. I mean, because it's a long season, and, you know, it shows the guys care, you know, when I'm looking at Devontae's numbers, he has two touchdowns this year, and those came in the first two weeks of the season. So, over the last four games, zero touchdowns. And think about it. Last week against the Rams, he got targeted five times, only one catch. Mm. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to. You know, this past week against the Jets, 11 targets, but only five receptions. He did drop a couple. And so, uh, the reason why this Eagles offense is so great Sort of like the Niners, they got so many weapons, and if Devontae's not playing up to his capability, if he's unhappy, that concerns me. Yeah, especially if he's unhappy after they won. Mm, yes. You know, yes. that's a bad sign, potentially. Yes. Potentially. And, and you know, when I watched, uh, I think it was the Rams game a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was frustrated on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, you know, Coach Sirianni had some words where they talked, and I felt like Jalen Hurts came out and started looking for him which isn't necessarily a good thing, Whitey. You know, it's like usually, you know, in an offense, it's equal opportunity, play right? The game. Play the game. Exactly. Don't try and force feed. And I felt like the Eagles did that a little bit last week against the Rams. And then yesterday, 11 targets. That's a lot of targets. You may yeah. be right. I think they're done. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> where you're going, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. You make yeah, a strong exactly. argument. If they're done, then the <laughs> Niners are done. Uh, who else is done? I mean, come Dallas on, man. Is done. Dallas uh, is done. It's hey, the 49ers and the Lions. Dallas uh, is uh, got a winning streak going. You know, uh, they've. They're one of the hotter teams. I was, I was, <laughs> and you know what? I like those the white helmets and all white that the Cowboys. You like wear. that, huh? Yeah. And I, I don't like anything the, about the Cowboys uniform. I, I don't. I'm not a Cowboys guy. They just. 
Did you like the creamsicle at Tampa Bay? I, I love the creamsicle. That was throwback. I saw that. I was like, oh, man. And I think the young kids like it, too. You know, the kids are like, you know, kids like flashy colors nowadays sure. and everything. And so back in the day, I think they were kind of hideous. Like, we made fun of it. Right. But now, I'm like, man, those are pretty cool. I also like the Browns' white throwbacks. And their throwbacks are yes. 1950s. Fifty or yeah, something. Yeah, I like the Browns. Yeah, like, that's a clean you know, look for them. And, and they sent the message too. They, you know, that was sure they were in all white, but they were looking to do some damage out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Now, what can you tell us, if anything, about uh, Mike Brown today proclaiming that or declaring, I should say, hey, there's two spots in our starting lineup that are set. The rest of it is all up for grabs. What's going on there? If I'm reading into what Mike Brown is saying, this is just a guess. This is sending a message that guys aren't getting it done in practice, whether it's Kevin Herter, Keegan, and to a lesser extent, Harrison Barnes, because I think Harrison Barnes is himself no matter what, whether it's practice, games. Like Harrison Barnes is going to give you what Harrison Barnes give you. And so I think this is gamesmanship from Mike. This is, you know, sort of Phil Jackson old school of way of thinking. You know, Phil Jackson used to try and motivate his players through the media. Um, Mike Brown's doing that as well. Uh, there's no way only two spots are guaranteed. If you were to tell me Keegan Murray is not in the starting five when this season begins, I, I, you know. Then Jordy Fernandez is going right, to be head coach right, pretty hey, soon. Exactly. And so we're not uh, – it's Mike trying to send a message to his guys, and it's something I saw in practice when I went earlier, uh, you know, late, late last week. It's, guys, last year is last year. We need some intensity right from the jump. Practice has to be intense. And so I think he's just trying to motivate his guys to uh, get the best out of them and to let them know that, you know what, nothing is given. You have to earn it. And one thing he said about De'Aaron Fox is Fox has been a tremendous leader in the gym all the time offseason. He's leading all the group workouts and things like that. And so that's why, you know, Fox and Sabonis – they are the leaders of this team. Off-season workouts, team get-togethers, they are the two guys spearheading that. And so now Mike Brown wants to see Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, take some ownership. Like, you're not just there for the ride. You guys are part of this also, and I think he's trying to motivate them. Mike Brown walking a tightrope right now with Kevin Herter and his lineup status. Back with more on that. Drive, guys. He's Draper, and I'm Gleason. This is Sacktown Sports. Appreciate you being with us today. Appreciate your participation when you call or text. You're like a guest. And by the way, all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Just don't appreciate the shots at the, at the Eagles. David Neal just won't let up. And, of course, Devontae had the phantom catch in the NFC Championship <laughs> game. And I'm just going to let you know, Kyle, I, not on my watch, all right? I got your back on this stuff. That again, not... Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but you know I got your back, right? Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure. <laughs> Believe in everything you're selling right now, Whitey. You know what? I'm not going to talk to Niners fans anymore. Not about the Eagles. <laughs> I mean, why would I talk to our arch enemies, our rivals, about my squad? I'm going to save that for December 4th sure. when I walk in here with my Eagles poncho on. I got one of those little ponchos. I'm, I might wear it. I'm going to have should. to check. I got to check with the bosses, make sure, you know, I'm not violating right. any rules. We're home of the Niners and everything. When the Niners win, it's great for business. But just that one week, let your boy have a good time. Let 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 Kyle have a good time. But, you know, if the 49ers win, you're not wearing. No, I'll bring my bra. I'll bring, bring a Brock Purdy jersey. I'll yeah. go get a Brock Purdy jersey and I will wear it. Okay. I'm a man. Right. Come on, man. You know me. I'm a man of my word. Yes. Yeah, yes. You know, <laughs> you got bigger fish to fry 
than the 49ers this week. Yeah, yeah. And I know a Dolphin's not actually a fish. I get it. But you got your hands <laughs> full, especially with a battered secondary against that that high-performance Dolphin aerial attack. Yeah, I'm worried about the Eagles. You know, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned it yesterday. I mean, they aren't playing well. The secondary's banged up. Jalen Hurts, you know, is turning the ball over way too much uh, for my liking. And their schedule, I could argue, is the toughest in the NFL. You got Miami. That you're at Washington. Do you okay. want us to play violins? Yes, while you're please do. These because when they lose, I'm trying to tell you they lost because look at the schedule. Uh-huh. We don't have cupcakes like Arizona wow. on the schedule and things like that. We don't have those kind of cupcakes. How many like times the you play the do. Giants this year? How many I, times I, you play uh, the Commanders? <laughs> Isn't it twice for both of those? Twice for a. But those Cupcakes. are, you know, but those teams get, it's a division game. So those guys oh, get up for it. Gotcha. You know, yeah. but look, you got at Washington. Okay. Should win. But Washington played them tough earlier this season. Dallas. Cowboys. We saw what they did last night. And saw then, what the 49ers did to them. Look at this five game stretch. This is the toughest five game stretch in the NFL this season. At Kansas City. Home against Buffalo. Home against San Fran. At Dallas, at Seattle. We need the sound of a crying baby playing a violin. No, I'm just, see, I'm just being objective and say, I'm not being a fanboy or fangirl like a lot of Niners fans are out here. When you look at what the Eagles are and what they're doing, they are playing great right now. They just lost to the Jets, so I could see them losing a few games. I got them at 12 and 5, 13 and 4 this season. I don't I'm not like you who think the Niners were about to go 19 and 0 or whatever it is, you know, 20 and 0. No. <laughs> the Eagles have a tough schedule, and so I'm being objective mm. about it. Do you know that your team may have given up the game-winning touchdown on purpose? Really? In the last game? Really? And they asked Sirianni, I'm serious. They asked Sirianni about it. He said, "I don't want to tell you." Mm. So they're down 14-12. They may have allowed the Jets to score that touchdown. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I don't like it. He didn't say we did, but he, say, yeah. he wouldn't say one way or the other. What? Because he wanted to get the ball back exactly. and with the time and yeah. have more time instead of letting the Jets milk the clock down. To me, if you <sighs> have the lead and they have the ball, right. you stop you them. Stop because we saw what happened to the Niners. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I understand it's a different situation because the clock was, was running out, but who we, knows we, if they're actually going to make the field goal? Yeah. You still got to make the kick. And the Niners didn't do that. We'll circle back to that one. Yeah, that was a that. little surprising. Yeah. I saw that uh, today. But I want to ask you, getting back to Mike Brown and what Mike Brown says about the starting lineup. Mike Brown says of the Kings starting lineup, uh, paraphrasing, but he says, look, there's there's only two spots that are settled in the starting lineup. I think, Kyle, please correct me if you see it differently. I think what he's doing there is he knows that, all right, Kevin Herter, he's got an issue hanging on to a spot right now. But I don't want to publicly humiliate the guy. So... Yeah, he knows he's got to play better on de- defense or Herter may take his spot. Uh, or excuse me, Duarte. Duarte, Duarte. Duarte may take his spot. But I'm not going to publicly say that and put him on notice. That's something in-house that'll be settled in practice and on the floor, but I'm not going to make it any harder for him than, than, than I have to. Yeah, but with that being said, we got eyes too. Of course. You know, we can see what happened in that last preseason game. Media is allowed into the final portion of practice. No Duarte today, but guess who was practicing with the ones? Davion Mitchell. 
mm. not Kevin Herter. And so it's I understand Mike may not want to single out anybody, but when you go to practice and you see the four regular starters out there and then somebody different other than Kevin Herter, you know, what are we uh, uh, supposed to draw that conclusion from? And so I think Mike's in a tough spot right now because I think you don't want to lose Kevin Herter. You, you want to instill confidence in him, but there's no fact, no doubt that, you know what, he's been struggling a little bit as of late. I'm looking at his numbers from the playoff series against uh, Golden State, 9.1 points per game. So his numbers went down in the postseason. He didn't but shoot well. More importantly, 20.5% from three-point range. Kevin Herter's biggest value to this team is his three-point shot. And if he's not doing that, and he hasn't done it in the preseason as well, what is Mike Brown supposed to do? And so I think he's in a tough spot right now because I mentioned it yesterday. As a coach, does Chris Duarte's defense, or excuse me, offense, I guess, overcome Herter's lack of defense? Like, who do you, you know, who do you go with? Is his defense that good enough that, you know what, his offense may not be as good as Herter's, but his defense is really high? But then what do you do with Kevin Herter? Do you lose him? Is he good with coming off the bench? And you got two guys already coming off the bench like that. Like, you want Kevin Herter and Malik Monk off the bench? Where are the minutes for those two guys? And so Mike Brown's in a difficult situation. One thing would solve all of this if my guy Kevin Herter could start hitting some shots. And so I said it last week. I want to see, forget Sasha, De'Aaron, every, I want to see a four three-point game from Kevin Herter. I want to see him get back to smiling, get back to having fun, get back to as as people on the chat and on social media, get back to being Kavan. You know, not Kevin Herter, Kavan. You know, like that Steve uh, Urkel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and Stefan. And so I think that's what the Kings need from him. That would make Mike Brown's job so much easier, the decision so much easier if Kevin Herter started knocking down some shots. The way Kevin Herter has played so far, he's making it, it's not a decision that Mike Brown wants to make, but it's easy. If you look at it from his standpoint, he's struggling defensively and he's not making shots. I I want you to play better, but right. when you're not, I can't play you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I saw, you know, Kevin Herter speak post-game the other day. Is he a little and, salty or yeah, just frustrated I, at himself? I, I think he's frustrated at himself. I, I think, you know, one thing that, you know, I, I like about it, he actually stood there and answered the questions, faced the music, Absolutely. Uh, faced the media afterwards. He knows he's struggling a little bit right now. He gets that. But, you know, when I watch Kevin Herter speak, and, you know, he's not the most animated guy or anything like that, I look at the body language, and I'm a little concerned about that. And so for his sake, I'm hoping tomorrow when they take on the Warriors or Thursday when they take on the Jazz, he just goes out there and has fun. Because I feel like we can see visually the weight coming down on his shoulders. We can see with each miss, with you know the groans in the stand, all that. You can feel that when you're in the arena. You can feel that when you're watching Kevin Herter play right now. Yeah, 48 wins last year, but no scholarships this year. 
Maybe no, two. No. Maybe two. Maybe two. <laughs> maybe two and a half, a partial for right, Keegan. Right, right. Hey, other hey, than that, Keegan ain't earned a full yeah. scholarship yet, Mike Brown? Come on, man. Give my boy some love, right? Harrison Barnes, 11-year veteran, hasn't earned uh, some love. Uh, that's Mike Brown just being Mike Brown. He needs to light a fire under these guys, though, Whitey. Let's, let's call it what it is. This team has not played well this preseason. And I think, you know, Mike Brown is trying to raise the bar, raise the standard you know, of excellence inside the organization. And the intensity The level. intensity. 48 wins ain't going to get it done. A first-round playoff berth is not going to get it done. If you want championship aspirations, you got to bring it from day one in practice. You know, there's a saying. I used to work in Boston, and Kevin Garnett and those guys used to say, the practices were harder than the games. And so I think that's what Mike Brown is trying to get to. He's trying to get that compete level up, that intensity up, so that once game time comes, man, we're going harder in the game in practice than we are in the game. Uh, when we come right back, one of the most interesting stories of the day, story of uh, the former ace pitcher. He just retired, and on his way out, he blasted ownership. We've got that next for you here in the Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports. Drive Guys with you. Hey, thanks, Manny. Manny Too Legit says, saw your ad in the Jumbotron at the uh, Golden One Center a couple days ago. I, I was looking on TV, watching the game to see if I saw anything, you know, on the scores table or anything. I didn't, didn't see anything. anything. No, I, did you see anything? I didn't see anything. I was at, you know, I thought, oh, maybe it's preseason. They don't have it up yet or anything like that. But uh, I may have to talk to a couple of people, get it run a few more extra times at the arena, <laughs> right? Yeah. We don't need to see An Fong's, uh, you know, uh, ad all the time at Golden One Center. We could drop something wrong. Uh, call yeah. An Fong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to get to just in a minute here to uh, back to the A story. And I know this seems like it's coming out of left field because we're talking about the Kings and, and the 49ers. But I think, Kyle, a lot of people around here really have been relating to this story over the last few months because Sacramento, of course, came so close yes. to losing uh, the Kings. And now Oakland is right there um, on the edge of the abyss of losing um, their team. So a, a former athletic made a very interesting announcement yesterday. We'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do, 339-1140, 1-800-920-1140. JR joins us. Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports. What's up, JR? Oh, oh, I thought I was calling Ann and Fong. I thought something was wrong. <laughs> My man, what's up, JR? <laughs> hey, I don't know. So Napa's famous for their wines, but I didn't know Philly was famous for their wines. Because, uh, the schedule's the schedule. AWS made that. Amazon Web Services. It is what it is, Drapes. You know, you got to show up every Sunday and play. So, I'm not making I, excuses. I, I'm saying we're going to lose some games. And so when we lose some games, don't be coming at me, throwing shade at me. I told you <laughs> the Eagles are going to be 12-5, and 13-4 based on the schedule. True. You only can play who you play. But compared to the Niners' schedule, I mean, the Niners got to walk in the park. I mean, oh come on. Oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Walk in the park. They play the first-level schedule. I can't believe they got Jacksonville as their 17th game. How random is that? Oh, yeah, let's put the best ASC team That's right. as their 17th game. Come mm-hmm, on now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got to go to Cleveland, and we all know how much he hates the Niners. Uh, the defensive coordinator ever since the hardball handshake. Jim Schwartz, He's been sure. wanting to beat the friggin' Niners every time. So I think the 49ers may have one of the toughest schedules we've ever seen in the history of the NFL, JR. Oh, ever. I mean, when he used to wear the leather helmet. Yes. When, oh, when, oh, oh. Yeah, when Vallejo, the Vallejo uh, victories or whatever they were, and uh-huh. why he was playing with Phantom. Yeah. I mean, there, there was never a harder schedule than the Niners did. Never. I mean, you might as well give them 19 games and expect them to win two more than everyone else. 
Yeah. That's how hard the Niners' schedule is. What do you think of this matchup, JR? I know you're a big football fan. Uh, The Eagles, their secondary is really beaten up. They had to get a safety off the the practice squad, and they're playing the Dolphins this week. What kind of matchup do you think that is? Well, I don't know. I'm thinking that they might want to just start kneeling on the ball now or doing their little push six or whatever they give early. (laughs) Push six. You know, just just to push through the middle, push through the middle. Yeah, you're not not beating that that coach because that coach is pretty for him. You're the greatest team ever. That would be the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Hey, I do like your cut to your talk about Herder. I do like his – I do – I am concerned about his uh, body language. I want him to, to uh, prove me wrong by going out and killing these next two. Drapes, you're All great. Right. Whitey, you're okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks. <laughs> JR, appreciate nice it, man. said about me. Thank you. <laughs> JR. Uh, Trevor May is or was a major leaguer. Uh, Oakland uh, relief pitcher Trevor May – uh, announced his retirement on his Twitch stream yesterday on the way out, had some things to say about the current owner of the athletics, John Fisher. So in 2008, for those of you that don't know, I was drafted at 18 years old. I'm now 34 years old, 16 seasons, 10 major league seasons, and I am officially announcing my retirement from professional baseball. Now that it's official, to, to the A's organization and every single person part of it, I love all of you. Every single one of you, except for one guy. We all know who that guy is. Sell the team, dude. I tried to get a sell shirt. It didn't get here fast enough. Sell it, man. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own own something. There's actually people who give a about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else, dork. So that's one thing I really struggled with this year was not just eviscerating that guy. Do what you're going to do, bro. You're you're whatever. You're a billionaire. They exist. You guys have all this power. You shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Reality is you got you got handed everything you have. And now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. Yeah, whatever. Oakland is Oakland. Uh, you can make all the cases. Oh, it's not a great city. But you're putting you're putting hundreds, if not thousands of people out of work that have worked somewhere for decades and you haven't acknowledged that at all so just be better that's all we're asking trevor may there, there's more uh, but i think you get the gist of it thanks jay for slapping that together for us and is he the i mean he was just on the team you know it wasn't like he you know retired 10 years ago or you know played for days 10 years ago i mean this is fresh this is somebody that was around this season who is coming at the current owner and I, if I'm an A's fan, I agree 100% with him. Like, the he's sort of run this franchise into the ground, if you will. I mean, a, a proud organization. They were 50 and 112 this Right, year. right. That's historically 50. bad. You have to try to be that bad. He stripped down the roster. Payroll's one of the lowest in Major League Baseball. And now you're, you know, trying to, you know, snatch the team out from, from under the fan base here. And so – uh the only problem is he won't sell. Like, he's going on record. He's not selling. Uh, but, you know, kudos to Trevor May, man. You know, we need more current players, former players, speaking out about this. Because, as you know, when the Kings were going through their situation, there people had to get vocal. Former mm-hmm. players, like, you know, you and people, you know, and it was a daily thing, too. It wasn't just... You know, let's try and save the team on Monday, and then we'll try right. and save it again next don't week. Don't forget, there was like, two different rounds where it looked like they were they're going to Anaheim. They were oh, they're yeah. go- oh, now they're going to Seattle. Right, and, and you got to be relentless 
in your pursuit to keep the team here. And so I know it looks gray right now and dismal right now. It looks like it's going to happen. But we need more people like Trevor May speaking up about this. Yeah, and another reason I wanted to to play that and talk about it is because I think it's unprecedented. I can't remember anyone else in a similar situation doing that. Obviously, it's very unique for him to announce his retirement. So he's free then to criticize. Most guys are like, that's right. ownership. What can I say? Right. I play right. for the team. So it is a unique situation, but I don't recall anyone else ever doing anything quite like that. And I don't recall any current players throughout this season get getting involved in it. You know, yeah, they can't. And really, they can't. Man, I don't think. please. Please. Fisher's like Mr. Burns of the Simpsons, man. It's okay. Like, everybody understands what's going on here. And I know he's still the owner, and I know you can't speak out about it. But, you know, I would love, you know, for a player to say, no, I'd rather be here in Oakland, to be honest with you. This is my home. This is where my family lives right now. I really don't want to go to Vegas. You know, I I thought, you know, guys were a little quiet throughout the season. And maybe, you know, they didn't get as much attention, much publicity, much coverage. And maybe I missed it. But, you know, if, if the A's are going to stay in Oakland, it has to be a relentless campaign and I'm just not seeing that right now. Wade. You know, another reason you didn't hear a lot from the players is because a lot of those guys just got called up. Yeah. Haven't even young, a lot been of young in guys. Oakland. And they're trying to figure out right. how do I stay up here? Right. right. I can barely keep my head no, above You're water. 100% right so about that. some of that, that. might have been actually by design, too. No, you're 100% right about that. These are guys, you know, their spots aren't guaranteed. It's not like, you know, these guys are, are making $20 million a year or anything. Like, they, they have a lot of young players who – you know yeah. what, can't afford right. to be outspoken. Yeah, I, this is really unfortunate, but I'm facing a guy tonight throws 99, and he's got a slider like I've never seen in my right. life, and I'm trying to make a living, so I got to deal with that first. So that was part of the situation. Um, it does, as you said, it looks very bleak, but I, there's still hope. There's always that sliver yeah. of hope. You never know uh, what the owners will decide when they get together. Really? I mean, you never know. They got to they prove the I move. I was thinking about I'm like, Manfred is up for this. It's, I haven't heard of any owner, other owners speaking out. That, like, this seems to be a major league thing. This is not just the John Fisher theme. Major league wants a franchise in Vegas, and apparently they feel like this is the easiest way to get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joe Lacob would, he's let it be known on, that Joe. he's interested if he would sell. So the owners can look at that and go, we got to get this Oakland situation resolved. We can either move to Vegas or if this guy sells, they stay in Oakland, and then we got this, we'll get a new stadium. Yep. So they do have options there. So it's not done yet. You're right. No one has come out. No owner has said publicly, gee, I don't know about this. But you never know until they actually vote. Right. Fingers crossed. And we know that the Las Vegas plan, such as it is, uh, it's got more holes in it than a box of freaking Krispy Kremes. <laughs> so we'll see. Krispy Kreme box got holes in it? Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right, a donut. You ever seen yeah, it? the donut. It got the hole. Yeah. yeah. I'm a uh, Dunkin' Donuts guy. Okay. In, you well, know, East Coast saying. thing. Just I think saying. They have holes in them, too. That's right. Dunkin' Donuts, very popular yes. back there, right? Yes. Yeah. So bless you, Trevor May. Thank you. Fingers crossed. When we come back, you know, not everybody in the national media loves the Sacramento Kings, but Michael Wilbon apparently does. Next, Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports.